up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is New Year's Day. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Hope you guys had a good night last night. Maybe watching the drop, the ball drop. Maybe watching a little football. I know that's what we were doing. So yeah, hope you guys had a good night last night, and hope you guys are having a good start to the year. I've got Matt here with me in person again. Matt, how are you? That's right. We are in person together. Only a couple days left of uh, the vacation that I was telling you guys guys about last time. It's a different uh, intro this time than you're used to for the past couple weeks. Aiden back on the mic to begin this after his uh, hiatus in Disney World. I had to pick up all the slack for him. So, um, but here we are, and 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 we're definitely gonna gonna be talking about some interesting stuff today. Uh, Mostly just the NFL and college football, but uh, but as we know, with New Year's Eve and New Year's Day comes the college football semifinal games, and both of those transpired last night, um, as well as some kind of mid-season NFL stuff, or I guess kind of about to close out the NFL season stuff um, that, that we can get into today that won't be specific to any type of week or, or, or game, um, but just mostly kind of as we wrap up the season here before we get into playoffs and all that type of stuff. Yeah, big thanks to Matt for doing those two episodes while I was gone. Obviously, I didn't have my equipment with me, and I didn't want to do any any episodes while I was on my Disney trip. So, yeah, big thanks to Matt for doing those, and they were really good. They turned out good. We just didn't have the intro music because I forgot to send it to him. So <laughs> that's on me. But, yeah, we are back with the the full-fledged episodes now, so we're ready to go. So getting straight into it, our first topic as always, is NFL. We're going to have one topic of NFL, and then we're going to have just kind of a, a discussion and a, a review of both of the college football playoff semifinal games. And that's going to be the blunt of our episode just because it's a Saturday episode. And again, it's it's kind of a, a laid-back episode, not much or as much content as our Tuesday episodes. So with that being said, moving into the first and only topic of NFL – we are going to give our predictions for the MVP, who, who we think is going to be the M- MVP, and then who we think is going to be the coach of the year in the NFL. And so we've got the two final weeks of, of um, NFL coming up here. Tomorrow marks week 17, and then we've got week 18 coming up right after. And so we are going to give right our, our MVP pick and then our coach of the year pick. And so I'm going to let Matt kind of um, – kind of bring up the the, the, the first c- contestants I guess yeah well so the the kind of the 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 point of this little segment here was to kind of determine uh, or delineate between who deserves to win the MVP the NFL MVP uh, as well as who deserves to win the coach of the year award versus who will actually probably win it because the media is biased and and it always happens to where there's players who definitely perform as if they are the MVP or coaches that outperform you know everyone else uh, clearly but just because they don't get as much media buzz it ends up that you know they're not even considered for um for, for the awards so I, in terms of a player uh, who deserves to win the award well let me let me first start with the other one who I probably think is going to win the award is probably going to be Aaron Rodgers and obviously I am not upset about that because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of my favorite team and he is the reason that the Green Bay Packers are relevant he's the reason that the Green Bay Packers are most likely going to get the number one seed uh and and everything in between and so you know we saw that one game that he was out obviously they played the Chiefs they lost to the Chiefs it wasn't a it wasn't a terrible loss um you know they, they only lost by I think six points but but that was kind of when the Chiefs weren't you know weren't weren't that great back then and, and Jordan Love didn't look ready at all <laughs> to be the Packers quarterback. And so now, you know, we have the situation where we've seen what Aaron Rodgers is when he comes back and how much he affects that team. And so to a certain extent, yes, I do agree that, you know, without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers would be nothing um, and, and not even close to number one seed. But I think that someone who deserves it based on their stats, their productivity uh, and where they've gotten their team and, and, and the kind of the nature of their team so far is Tom Brady. And, and weirdly enough, you know, I, I'm not necessarily the person who would be the first to admit that Tom Brady should be the MVP because of how much, you know, I'm, I'm definitely one of the people who would who would prefer for the Patriots and Tom Brady era of the NFL to just be over with. Obviously, <laughs> both of those, t- t- like, you know, 
beings are doing well now, the Patriots and Tom Brady. But uh, but seriously, I mean, he leads the NFL in passing yards. He leads the NFL in passing touchdowns. Um, and and and, and the Bucks, you know, they I think they only have you know three or four losses. They're probably going to end up as the number two seed if you know if Dallas ends up losing one of their games uh, here late to end to end the season. So um, and and I think the big thing with Tampa Bay and the reason why I think Tom Brady deserves the MVP right now is the fact that their team has been so beat up offensively and defensively there's been injuries all over the place not to mention all the COVID issues that are going around that are you know inherently affecting every team but like the injuries are terrible. I mean, we saw in the, in the Sunday night game against New Orleans, obviously they put up zero points, and that's not a showing that we would like to see from an MVP. You know, I, I, you, know you can't really be calling someone an MVP if you, if you get beat 9 nothing. you know, to, to the backup starter for the Saints and whatever. You don't score any points. But at the same time, it's like every single starter on a skill position, starter on offense for, for the Bucks was, uh, was pretty much got hurt. And so, you know, Leonard Fournette's on IR until the end of the season. Chris Godwin's out for the whole season. Mike Evans got beat up. And it's like you have all of these receivers and running backs and all the skill position players that he would normally rely on are, are, are basically non-existent now. And then after we kind of got – because they all got hurt in the Saints game, right? So you don't expect them to be able to just – rally the troops and, and, you know, and crush the Saints by 20 points when all your players are getting hurt in that game. And I talked about this a little bit on the podcast that I did by myself, too, where, like, you, you can't you – can't, you, there's not a role – you can't get on a roll with that when it's, like, the next person that you expect to get the ball to just goes down, too, and then you just have nobody else. But it's like they bounce back. A week later, they played the Panthers, and they beat the Panthers 32-6, to six, right? And so, yeah, it's the Panthers. They're not that great. They – you know, they don't have a quarterback. They fire their offense coordinator. Chris McCaffrey's out. I get it. But, like, they still won by 26 points, and they had nobody on offense. Pretty much everybody that I mentioned was still out. Antonio Brown had a good game, but it's like Tom Brady's the reason why they're able to still even be in these games and, and, and produce at a high level and put up more than 30 points. He's still passing the ball around to everyone who we don't even really know besides Antonio Brown. So um, I do think that he deserves to be the MVP. I don't think he'll get it, um, but I think that the fact that how of how old he is and he's still leading the and passing yards and passing touchdowns, it's amazing. Um, I think if the Bucks had any other quarterback, I mean, we saw it with Jameis Winston. They pretty much had the same weapons when Jameis Winston was there, you know, just two years ago, and, and they weren't able to do anything, and they were, you know, perpetually last in the NFC South. Uh, and so, you know, without him, obviously, they would be pretty much nothing. Same goes for the Packers. That's kind of why I understand both arguments. But at the same time, it's like, I, I think, at least for me, it's like the stats and the overall performance should determine who the MVP is, not just – Someone who, you know, like Aaron Rodgers, who goes into the Bears stadium and says, I own you, right? Or, or like, has the COVID issue and then the toe hurt. And it's, you know, he, I think he, he definitely creates a story in the media for himself, which may win him the award and, and, and he can keep doing it like that. I, again, if, if he wins the Super Bowl, that's really all that matters for me in my mind. But, but that would be my, my uh, kind of breakdown on who deserves to win the MVP versus who, who's probably going to win it. Yeah, I think that we have, and this, this may have happened in, past years before but I think we have a, a really weird dynamic this season with who has the best stats which is obviously Tom Brady because Tom Brady has he's going to finish out the season with like 900 yards more than Aaron Rodgers who again I, I and just to kind of preface this I do agree with Matt with you know both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady being the guys the two guys that this award should go to you know like e- either one I don't really care which one it goes to um but yeah, I, we we do have this dynamic where like Tom Brady is gonna end end the season off with about nine hundred yard more yards than Aaron Rodgers and probably around like seven or eight more touchdowns than him. But yet Aaron Rodgers is gonna finish off the season with like eight or nine less interceptions than Tom Brady than Tom Brady. And so it kind of you know there's this kind of like gray area where you say okay, well MVP is most valuable player to their team, but then again you can't like you can't say okay. Well, what if what if like say what if Zach Wilson the Jets went like you know nine let's just say nine and uh, nine and nine this year, or nine and nine and eight, um nine and eight this year, and Zach Wilson had like the most passing yards and the most touchdowns, and he kind of was mid tier in terms of um in terms of interceptions. Like we probably wouldn't. I, I don't know if we would call him the MVP. But, like, since, since he's on a bad team or, you know, a mediocre team. And so it's just, like, if, you know, if, if there's a player on a bad team that goes off and, and does really well but just can't really help their player win, like, they're not going to get the MVP award just because their team is bad. And so 
that that's not the case, obviously, with the Buccaneers and the, and the Packers because both of those teams are really good and they both have a really good chance to you know go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. But again, it's just kind of like there's a huge discrepancy between the stats between the two guys. But I agree with Matt. I think Aaron Rodgers. Well, I th- I think Aaron Rodgers should win it. I th- but I I think it's the opposite of, of Matt. Actually, I think that Aaron Rodgers should win it, but I think Tom Brady will win it. So I I guess that's kind of flip flopped. But again, like Matt and I think that the same guys are going to win it. Another guy that I I think everybody is talking about right now is Jonathan Taylor, and he I mean he he's a running back, and so he's not really going to win it. I I can't I don't know if there's been like um, an outlier in the past few years, but I can't really remember the last time a non-quarterback won MVP in, in, in the NFL, which is kind of sad because that's, I mean, that's just how, you know, how the, how the whatever falls, I can't even think of the saying, but that that's just kind of how it goes is, you know, the quarterbacks are the most, most important player to a team. And so they get the MVP award. Um, but I think that there's, you know, there is something to say with Jonathan Taylor, like being the best player on his team by far and giving Carson Wentz a chance to do what he can do. And I, th- I think that Jonathan Taylor is even better at Carson Wentz and he's, because he's taken some of the pressure off of Carson Wentz and he's been able to you know hoist that Colts team to a really good season when a lot of people didn't think that they were really going to have that good of a season. So I think Jonathan Taylor should be in the mix too, but obviously he's a running back and like Matt said, the media is biased and we're probably never really going to see a running back win it in- unless they have a huge breakout season. I know that running backs and wide receivers used to be like close in the running way back when, but I think quarterbacks now are, they just absolutely dominate and they're, you know, I, I, the the league is a passing league now. So obviously quarterbacks are going to be more prone to win it. But yeah, I think that Aaron Rodgers should win it, but I think that Tom Brady will win it. It's interesting. You say that I, I really haven't heard much MVP hype on Tom Brady. And that's why I said that he deserves to win it because I think the only, the only two people I'm, I'm hearing mentioned are Aaron Rodgers and Jonathan Taylor, which, Again, like I said, too, I mean, I totally agree with Hayden. That's what I was going to kind of say is my second person is Jonathan Taylor. I think should definitely be the consideration to win it because, again, it, right, we see – yeah, I mean, Hayden just made the point. Quarterbacks get all the credit for the wins the team has, and, and we see that, right, exemplified by the Bucks and by the Packers who, if they didn't have either of their quarterbacks, they'd be terrible, right? They wouldn't be getting the playoffs or much less have a chance to, you know, to go to the Super Bowl. So the quarterbacks in that sense are doing a great job in terms of really being the most valuable player for their team and, and, and lifting up their team to be able to get to those heights. But right. I mean, a running back can only do so much in terms of, and that's why I think to a certain extent, why we've kind of made this a quarterback's award is because, you know, we see basically what's happening with the Colts. They have a good record. They have a good team. They've had some good wins, but they're not really, you know, they're not the top of the AFC. They're not actually, they're actually not even in the first place in their division. I mean, the Titans are, are good, and they're, you know, also led by a running back in Derrick Henry, who, you know, obviously they don't have any more for, for the rest of the regular season here. But I think that's kind of the, the argument there is, like, if, you're, if you want, if you think Jonathan Taylor should win the MVP, which, again, I would have no problem if he won it. I do think that he deserves it because he has done way more for that offense than, than Carson Wentz has for sure. But at the same time, it, 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 he's not leading the team to that great of a record. Now, you could point to the defense and say, well, you know, the, the Bucks have a, that legendary defense from last year, and the, and the Packers' defense surprisingly has been really good this year, and they actually don't even have all their best defensive players back yet that they will get for the playoffs. So, you know, and whereas the Colts' defense, yeah, they have Darius Leonard, and he's coming back this week, but it's they, I don't think, are as – um, you know, as, as well-rounded um, as, as maybe the Bucks and the Packers defense are. But I think if we're talking about, you know, MVP candidates and, and how much you really mean to your team in terms of wins, a running back can't really control that much, but it's like he's really doing all he can. Um, and so that's, I think, kind of the argument for him there. Um, but, but yeah, so surprised that, surprised that Hayden kind of thinks the opposite in terms of who deserves and who he thinks will win. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, but yeah, I think, you know, I think th- it'll, it'll at least come down to, I think, one of those three guys. I also think that one thing that may kind of, you know, ding Rodgers a little bit is that he, he won the MVP last year. And it's really hard to repeat MVPs and well, actually like anything in the, in professional leagues, it's super hard to, you know, repeat a championship, Super Bowl, whatever. It's like, it's really hard to go back to back, especially for an award, you know, with the caliber of the, like, this is probably not probably, this is definitely the most important word in any sports league and, you know, NFL too. And so I think that like something that Aaron Rodgers has going for him is like, okay, well he won the MVP last year and, can he repeat it? Like that's that's just a, I don't know. That just that just adds some. Um, that's why I said Tom. I think Tom Brady will win it. Is because like that just adds, 
some weight to, to Aaron Rodgers in terms of being able to, you know, come out in front. So I don't know that that's just, and maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, not a thing, but we've seen like, it's, I don't know how many people have, have, you know, repeated MVPs in back-to-back seasons or if it's ever happened. So that's just one thing to, to look out for. So, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like Matt said, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I don't think that there's going to be much, you know, change with this, with this kind of thing in the last two weeks of of the season and so yeah i mean like i said if things go how they go then you know this there will be a big difference in stats but that'll just be it'll it'll just be up to the the voters to um you know to see who wins so moving on to college football here we are just gonna talk about the um college football playoff we're doing the coach of the year first uh before we get to the college football aspect of that had to set a stop hayden from getting on a roll there he's he's ready to go um so yeah, so so we're gonna kind of do the second the second tier of the uh, of the who deserves to win, who should win kind of question here, and it, and it's really in reference to the coach of the year. So I, again, who should win? Well, okay, no, let me start with who deserves to win. Um, I think it's I think it's a toss up between probably I would say either Bill Belichick or in a very dark horse candidate but I do think should deserve some consideration probably won't get any is Nick Sirianni with the Eagles so obviously we know what Bill Belichick has done uh, with the Patriots this year and and kind of you know with a rookie quarterback and, and not that many offensive weapons and not the greatest defense especially after trading Chandler Jones um, but but still kind of starting off the season a little bit shaky and then just having that crazy win streak and obviously they've fallen back a little bit you know losing losing the past two games but still in a prime position to to make the playoffs and and even you know if the Bills win one if, if the Bills lose either of their two last games to to uh, to end the season here the Patriots will um, unless the Patriots lose both of them too that's a crazy situation but they will they might even win the division still. So, um, so I think that to, to for what Bill Belichick has done with the team that he doesn't really have that many great players of, um, and I think that that that's kind of the cool thing that we've noticed this year. Like, if we want to sum it all up, is like you know he's done this before, right? When Tom Brady was still there, they didn't have towards the end of his tenure when they you know when they beat the Falcons in the, in the Super Bowl and and they you know they 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 lost to the Eagles or whatever. It was like they didn't have the greatest teams, but it was like okay, well because you have Tom Brady because you have Bill Belichick, it doesn't really matter who you have on your team. You can still go far in the playoffs and, and have a chance to win to win the NFL title. This year is completely different because you don't have Tom Brady, and we just talked about how much quarterbacks really mean to offenses and teams in general and wins when it comes to you know making a run in the playoffs and all that stuff and so with a rookie quarterback though we had no what we had we didn't know what to expect now obviously you know probably the only person who would be able to change our opinions about you know a rookie quarterback doing well and, and still being able to win the division is bill belichick right is, is he's one of the greatest coaches of all time probably the greatest so when you talk about it like that, it's like, okay, well, is this really that unexpected that this is even happening? Well, I mean, I think so, right? Like I said, they have, don't have much talent. You, you have a rookie quarterback, so you can't expect too much greatness right away. There was literally one year of, like, not Tom Brady, and then, you know, and then now we're pretty much back to where they were before. So um, so I think he deserves a ton of credit, and I think he'll, he'll get a ton of credit. Um, and then the other side, the other guy I said that probably deserves it, but but obviously would not get it at all. He's not even in the running. Um, is Nick Sirianni with the Eagles? Obviously, right. They they're not that great. I you know they're, they're not probably not going to make the playoffs. Um, but but you know, but I think that with the with the talent on the team, um, is is almost similar to the Patriots. They don't have much there, right? Uh, and so he's at least been able to kind of kind of pull together this the the loose ends of the team in terms of um you know, you know the defense which was really struggling to begin the year uh Jalen Hurts who a lot of people didn't have a lot of confidence in we, you know okay we know he's 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 crazy athletic and he can squat you know 600 pounds okay great but what can he do on the football field he's really proven a lot of people wrong and and, and I think that Nick Sirianni has probably played a, a good part in him doing that you know being able to kind of take his take his skills to the next level and decision making I think has been a big part of that where you know if he needs to run for a first down he's going to get it but he's going to play it safe you know he gets the ball out Devontae Smith is a rookie wide receiver he's you know he's leading the team in all the categories and so you know that, that's just kind of they've kind of just kind of plugged and played and they've done really well with it and I think the best part of that team it, or at least which has been mentioned a lot in the media and, and, and you know in articles and whatever is the offensive line and which doesn't really have a ton of great pieces and and they've actually i think i in one of the primetime games that the eagles played they said that they had like the most 
different uh, starting lineups when you look at like the amount of starts that the offensive line had at whatever position and stuff. Um, and they're still able to turn into the you know turn that into some some really great performances by the offense. So I think that he's he at least should be getting more credit than I think a Brandon Staley would, right? Who's who's the coach of the Chargers? Who like you know with all his crazy fourth down decisions and you know going for it on fourth and goal when you should just take the points to go up and whatever. Um, he's been getting a lot of I think credit for how he handles the media in 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 his in his press conferences and his you know his crazy math statistics approach to 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 offensive play and being super aggressive and stuff. But like you know the Eagles have a better record than the Chargers now and and you know obviously right the Chargers are going to Charger right they've always kind of they always end up they have a great roster and they always just end up sputtering so it's it's almost like not the, even the coach's fault at this point it's just like being a charger you're just kind of you're just kind of cursed but um but i think that he's probably getting a little, a little bit more hype than even a nick sirianni is. so i, I was just kind of wanted to point out the job that nick sirianni did i think in terms of a person who i think is probably going to win it obviously i mean the betting favorite that the favorite to win it is matt lafleur the coach of the packers and again if aaron Rodgers is the mvp and matt lafleur wins the coach of the year I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be upset, I'm, especially because the Packers are probably going to have the number one seed to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's great because I'm a Packers fan. Um, but I think that right, you know, how much has Matt Lafleur done? Obviously, he's been great in his first two years. There, they were they were thirteen and three both years. Um, this year, they're probably going to be fourteen and three. Um, you know, because they'll probably win their their last two games here. So. His his record after three years of coaching a team is going to be impeccable, and 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 you know for sure has done a great job taking over for Mike McCarthy, who you know was as you know. He and Aaron Rodgers didn't get along at all, but I think that it's tough to kind of come in as a first-time head coach and really be able to get along with Aaron Rodgers, agree with kind of the ways that they want, don't want to run the offense and everything like that. And he's been a, he's done a good job of kind of managing the team and 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 being really professional in the way that he coaches and and runs it. But at the same time, it's like you have Aaron Rodgers, who was won the MVP last year. He you know very strong candidate to win again this year. So it's like if Aaron Rodgers wasn't part of the team, Watt Floor would not even be considered for coach of the year, right? Unless you know, Jordan Love came in and they got a, you know, they won the division with a 10 and six record, 10, seven record or whatever. Um, so I think that he, again, he's the favorite to win it. I don't think he necessarily deserves it. I think there are other candidates. Um, so let's see what Hayden has to say. Yeah. I think that it, again, it just depends on, on what people look at in terms of, again, you know, like getting a team together and their, the players that they have, I, I would say that the Packers have, a lot more talent than the Patriots. And I was going to say the same. I mean, Bill Belichick was the first guy I was going to bring up too. So Matt and I are like on the same exact wavelength here as usual. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Bill Belichick is going to – I think he's going to win it actually. I don't even really – I guess, yeah, the betting odds are in favor of Matt LaFleur. But I don't know. Again, like he he's a great coach and him and Aaron Rodgers obviously click. But it's just like – and I guess maybe Matt LaFleur gets some credit for – I mean, because the Packers have been in the media ever since the preseason. Again, like like Matt was saying, the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers, you know, or even in the offseason, like the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, kind of um, hinting that he wants to go somewhere else and everybody was thinking, okay, well, you know, once Aaron Rodgers leaves, well, then Devontae Adams is going to leave and the Packers are going to be in shambles. I, th- I mean, Matt LaFleur, I-, I didn't really hear him say anything during all that, but it's like I think he took that really well and he's, you know, he's – He's led his team to kind of like a bounce back this year um, from all that, you know, all that hustle and bustle before the before the season even started. And even during the season, like like Matt said, Aaron Rodgers with the, you know, the toe injury and the COVID issues and everything like that. Like, I, I think Matt Flores just taking it like a champ. Um, but I do think that it does come down to, you know, who's like who's done the most with um, or who, who, who's either done the most with the little the the least or who has like turned their team around the most and so in that sense i think that bill belichick definitely deserves it because he's done the most with the least but i also think that a guy to maybe consider and a guy that i want to win but probably won't win is frank reich i think that they like he's turned the colts around this year and he's done it with a with a new quarterback carson wentz and i mean obviously like we've said you know we've already talked about jonathan taylor on this on this episode but it's one of those things where, like, you know, if they didn't have like, – like, Frank Reich is obviously a, a part of that. It's not just the players doing, you know, wonders for their own team, but obviously the head coach has something to do with it. Offensive coordinator probably also has something to do with it there too. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just think that, like, Frank Reich handling, a, you know, a, a new guy like Carson Wentz where everybody's saying, okay, well, Carson Wentz sucks because – of the last year that he had in Philadelphia, you know, he's not going to do anything. I think Frank Reich handled that really well. And he, he definitely 
turned around what was looking like um, what what was looking like a bad season ahead of him. And so, yeah, I think that he's he's led these guys to uh, a great season so far. And like Matt said, I mean, they're not going to win the division because the Titans are, are most likely going to win it. But um, yeah, but, but I mean, the, the Colts are most likely going to be a wild card in the playoffs. And so it'll be it'll be cool to see how far they get. And um, I know the, the the awards. I think the awards are on like February tenth, or uh, it's it's like shortly after this, either before or after the Super Bowl. Um, and so it'll be interesting because obviously, yeah. And, and I, I like that they that they wait to do these awards. It's not like the Heisman where the Heisman's like a week after um, conference championships. I thought that was kind of weird, but um, yeah. But I, I like that the these award the NFL awards are kind of like after playoffs and after everything has panned out because that kind of shows you know like who when it comes when it comes down to to real football you know playoff football like who's gonna really get it done and so. We'll see about Frank Reich. Obviously, you know, if, if he leads the Colts to a, a good playoff run, then he'll probably get more merit, um, and maybe that'll help my case for him. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think Bill, Bill Belichick right now, in terms of, like, things that have, you know, up up until this point, I think it should be Bill Belichick. I think it's going to be Bill Belichick. Um, but, yeah, it would be cool to see a guy like Frank Reich win it just because it's, you know, it's a different guy, and Bill Belichick's – I don't know how many times he's won it, but he's probably – He's he's definitely won it before and probably multiple times. So um, so yeah, that's you know, that's just a, uh, a a couple guys who I think will or should and and will win it. And so moving on, Matt, are we are, are we good to move on to college football here? Yeah, I mean, I we are. I just you just it, I yeah, mean, that was I'm my just keeping us on track here. <laughs> yeah. All righty. So moving on to college football now. Like I said, we're just gonna do a little full or a full discussion of the college football semi semifinal games. Alabama versus Cincinnati and Georgia versus Michigan. Just to kind of, st- I don't really know how to start this topic off if I'm being honest. Um, so I, you know, I guess we can just go over the scores and kind of give our first reactions. But um, I'll, I'll hand, I'll hand it over to Matt to, to do that. So here's the thing. Obviously, if you don't know the scores, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know the scores. Michigan beat or um, Georgia beat Michigan and Cincinnati. Oh my God! What am I talking? Dude. Georgia beat Michigan <laughs> and Alabama beat Cincinnati. Jeez. Both of them pretty handily. Um, and and I think really what the what the point of this is going to be is kind of just review and discuss what we think you know how how the games went whatever but but I kind of like want to make the larger point at least or at least kind of start off this segment by saying we talked about this I guess a couple weeks I think it was the last time we did a joint podcast together and it was kind of you know I I pretty much raised the point look but going into these games both Alabama and Georgia were favored by more than touchdown right Georgia was favored by seven and a half eight points going into their game Alabama was favored by two touchdowns going into their game and so essentially the point I made was here's the thing we're either going to end up in a situation where both of the SEC teams Alabama and Georgia are going to win their games and then we'll get a great national title game or one of them is going to lose in dramatic fashion it'll be a crazy upset and we're going to end up with a title game in which one of the SEC teams is probably going to you know be in there against a team either Cincinnati or Michigan and either way it's not going to be a great game right and so that's kind of the point that I made and I think that we it, it kind of ended up in that scenario where both the teams, the better teams, the teams that were, that were favored, both won their games, won them by a lot, and are now playing in the title game, um, you know, to decide the national champion. But oddly enough, as we know, we got this game, this same exact game, basically a month ago in the SEC championship, right? Alabama and Georgia, and, and, and going into that game, Alabama was like six and a half point underdogs, and Alabama does what Alabama does, and they won the game, and it blew out Georgia, right? And so the, I think kind of what we have to realize here is like, it was good to see, and, and this is what we also talked about, is like, it's good to see these teams, these lesser-known teams. Obviously, there's never been a group of five team in the, play, in the college football playoff before. Michigan's never made it before. They were unranked to start the season. They're actually the first unranked team to start, like, team that was unranked to start the season to actually make the college football playoff. So we had very, I think, underdog-ish teams, um, aside from Alabama and Georgia, make the college football playoff. And, and that was really good to hear, right? And that was a good story going in. And But, but again kind of the point that I was going to make is like it, it, it does it even matter if both if we know pretty much the outcome of both of these games and that's exactly what happened and so I think that you know as we go along here it, it's it's really just and I've talked about this before too is like college football is extremely 
it's it's just it's very separated, right? In terms of the talent and, and and the and the skill level and the performance and all this stuff that goes into winning college football games and winning a national championship in college football. And I think that's why bowl games are great, is because you have a lot of teams who didn't do so great during the regular season and had no shot at winning a national championship because nobody would be able to compete with Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and all these big schools who always make the college football championship. But they still get to celebrate their season and 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 you know and and be able to celebrate the the accomplishments that they made and especially you know winning a bowl game against a team that you really don't know you've never really faced before you don't know you know you get to go to a different location whatever um, and so I think that's kind of what we have to look back on with this bowl season is like look we kind of knew what was going to happen with with the with the uh, college football playoff here when we had the two games kind of you know deciding the championship. But I think that's the point of it all is right is like you're going to always have these top power schools who are going to always be competing for championships. And so we need some sort of almost a, you know, almost a conditional uh, bracket, you know, or, or a bunch of games before that that kind of set the stage and, or at least give the teams who tried who actually, you know, were worthy of playing, you know, a different another game or, or had a good season, a chance to actually show, show their stuff and get to compete in one more game. Um and so, uh, I mean, I know that wasn't really much analysis in terms of the games, but that's the thing is like, that's the whole point I'm making here is like, the, it doesn't really, you don't even deserve to, to, to give analysis on these types of games because we already knew the result. We, we knew the result from the beginning and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe Hayden said, I thought that Michigan would beat Georgia. So I like to get his thoughts on that, but that's pretty much what I've been saying the whole time is like, we knew Georgia and Alabama were going to win these games. We knew they were going to be blowouts and, and that's exactly what we got. Yeah, exactly, and Matt kind of pinpointed what I was going to talk about, and that's just the that's the Georgia Michigan game because, like I like Matt pointed out again is you know in in the past episode I in our Superdog episode I said that I thought that Georgia would be able to pull it out against against um I mean that I, I thought Michigan would be able to pull it out against Georgia, and I was obviously wrong because they lost thirty four to eleven. So yeah, so just to kind of you know given give a little. Uh, I guess just get started with my analysis of the game. I said in in our past episode that Stetson Bennett would be kind of you know the 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 deciding factor in this game. Like if if Stetson Bennett is okay and if if he plays well, then Georgia was obviously going to win. And I didn't even really think about this, but you know, obvious and Michigan like the the face of Michigan are the two edge rusher edge rushers, um, David Ojabu and and. Um, and Aiden Hutchinson on Michigan. And so it's just like, you know, you have both of those guys on Michigan rushing Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, he's a pretty mobile guy, but again, like he, he struggles when he gets under pressure. I saw this, um, they did like this little graphic last night on the TV. I forget exactly what it was, but it was, it was, it was pretty much just comparing Stetson Bennett when he's not pressured versus where he is pressured. And I think when, when he is pressured, he has like a 24 QBR, and then when he's not pressured, he has a, like a ninety something QBR. So it's just something crazy like that. Like that's that's really. I mean, if you don't if you don't really know QBR that well, like that's a twenty four is really really bad, and ninety something on average is very very good. That's like kind of what Aaron Rodgers does. So um, yeah, so that's that's just amazing in my in my opinion. So that that discrepancy there there just alone, I was thinking, okay, well if you know you got two two of the best edge rushers in all of college football rushing Stetson Bennett, who sucks under pressure, obviously, like, it, you know, if they get to him at least somewhat during the game, they're going to, you know, make him all flustered and, and probably make him make some mistakes. But he, he really didn't. Like, that. he played almost, uh, you know, almost a perfect game. There's a couple of disconnects here and there with incomplete passes and overthrows and stuff, but that's probably just miscommunications. I was really impressed with him, and, I, and the reason I'm talking about him a lot is because I kind of feel bad for, like, bashing him in our past episode and just you know railing on him for no reason when he really does have a lot of talent I mean he's, he's a really talented guy and you know he he deserves a lot of credit for that win but it it was also just a Georgia defense like it, it came down to that and no matter if you know if if Stetson Bennett played well it was really like okay are they gonna are is this Georgia defense gonna be able to stop the run and they have all season and that's exactly what they did that's what Michigan does well in offense is run and Georgia, and Georgia was able to stop it. They were hitting hard, you know. They they were stopping passes. Michigan, I've said it in the past. I don't know why Michigan does a two quarterback um, set towards the end of the game. I think there was like eight or nine minutes left. Michigan actually kept JJ McCarthy in, who was like the kind of running quarterback. He's the mobile quarterback, and then Cade McNamara is like the 
I guess like the starter, but he's you know he's the thrower, and so they actually put JJ McCarthy in at the end of the game. I mean, it was thirty-four to three, I think, or yeah, thirty-four to three. So it didn't really matter at that point. Maybe it was just garbage time minutes. But I think it was also kind of a statement to like, and JJ McCarthy. I mean, he was slinging. So I think, again, this is not really analysis of the game itself. It's just kind of analysis of the teams. And I and I think what's going to happen is JJ McCarthy might take over that spot because he's going to be a sophomore next year, and then um, Cade McNamara is going to be a senior. So I think we might see Cade McNamara transfer to somewhere else. It depends, obviously, but um, J.J. McCarthy's obviously got much more talent than Cade McNamara. Not that McNamara's a, a bad player at all. He's, he's a really good player, and obviously he's led them here. But um, but I think that something that we get to take away from this game is, is the fact that I think that J.J. McCarthy is going to take over that, that starting spot. And they're, I think they're – I mean, I don't know who – I don't really know who's a senior and who's not on that team. I, I'll need to look into it more this offseason because that's when I start doing my – college football, like, draft stuff and all that. Um, but, yeah, I think we're going to see J.J. McCarthy take over the starting spot, and that's going to be really interesting because they – I mean, if they had a good team this year with him at quarterback and if, if he develops a lot more in terms of, like, his leadership and stuff, I think they're going to be a really, really good team. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything that, that – hey, just real quick on the J.J. McCarthy thing. So, he was actually one of the top quarterback recruits last season and and apparently, like, had offers with to Alabama and all these other schools and – uh, and, and actually, you know, went to visit Michigan and they sat down and, and Jim Harbaugh was in there and talked to him, whatever. And, um, and apparently he just loved, they, they loved each other. It was like, they are exactly the same in terms of their like nerding out for football stuff and whatever. And, and so he was like, you know, this is where I'm going. So I think to a certain extent, what they're doing is they're giving JJ McCarthy some playing time to basically say like, look, we want, we want to keep you because you know, you're definitely a great recruit. He struggled a little bit early in the season. They wanted to see what McNamara had. Um, and, and both of them were kind of, meh this season uh you know basically all together um but i think that right i think hayden's right mcnamara will probably transfer because they're probably just going to kind of be like especially especially the way that jj mccarthy closed out the game as hayden mentioned uh being able to actually score the only touchdown in the game yeah. for michigan you know late there and i'm you know to a certain extent georgia already knew they were going to win the game maybe they weren't trying as hard but still i think he does have some great talent and i think that it's probably going to come down to a decision of basically like look mcnamara you you know, played played well for us for a couple of years, but you know, but we have a we have a new rising star here, and so. Um, but I think right overall, in terms of that game, it was really just the question was going into it is like, okay, both of these teams have great defenses, right? And then, then both of the teams like to run the ball on offense. So they were very similar in their styles of running their offense and, and similar in terms of their kind of, you know, stranglehold on defense and, and how they, they kind of won most of their games with defense and running the ball. And so it was like, well, who's going to break out and, and actually be able to do this? And the reason that a lot of people like Michigan in this game was because look, if you're going to make, you know, put it down to the quarterbacks, who's been better passing the ball this season? I mean, as I mentioned, right, you know, Setson Bennett doesn't really have he doesn't have that many you know he hasn't really had that many chances to like show his stuff and come back from being down because they just weren't all yeah. season even last season too um so so that was kind of the the knock on him is like is he going to be able to do it in a, in a high pressure situation because he hasn't even been faced with a high pressure situation all of the you know all season except for the alabama game which obviously you know nobody really would have been able to beat alabama on that day um but he came out and showed his stuff and he he absolutely balled out so it's like you know he it, this was the perfect instance of like a, a, a classic like football story where it's like, you know, all the questions are on this kid who, you know, he's a walk on and, you know, shouldn't should, wouldn't have ever gotten the chance to start for Georgia. And he's, you know, he's starting ahead of this five star quarterback who, you know, who's been sitting on the bench all year and he's ready to come in and whatever. And it's like, you know, is he's not going to be able to do it. We, nobody has faith in him. And he just comes out and absolutely proves everyone wrong and, and goes crazy. He had the most passing yards of any quarterback in the uh in any of the other games and, and, and obviously looked great. And so he answered the question, which was, you know, which offense is going to spark more? And, and clearly the answer was Georgia's. And that was because of the accuracy and, and, and great decision-making and, um, and, you know, it, just the, the talent that, that Stetson, Stetson Bennett played for played with uh, and the game was a blowout and and I mean likewise on the Alabama side we haven't really talked much about it because why you know we don't really need to I think it you know that's kind of what was the uh, the game plan going in was like look Cincinnati is not faced an offense like this we don't even and I, I you could see it right the entire game Alabama was like look we have Bryce Young, who won the Heisman Trophy, but we don't need to use him because our offensive line and our running backs are just so much better than the front seven of Cincinnati. So why don't we just run the ball the entire game? And that's exactly what what happened. They showed this stat like it was like mid third quarter, may have, might have even been in the fourth quarter. 
And it was like Cincinnati's total offensive yards. This was, I think it was like, it was basically in between the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Cincinnati's total offensive yards was like 176. And Brian Robinson had 204 rushing yards just by himself. <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding me? You know, but it's like, that's exactly what they game plan for. They saw like, look, they can't stop us. We're just going to basically just stand up our offensive line, lean on Cincinnati, and we'll be able to run the ball. And that's exactly what they did. And Bryce Young didn't even really have to do anything. Um, and so, and so clearly that was a game plan. It worked out. Cincinnati didn't score a touchdown. They only scored six points. And that's, Pretty much, I think what everybody thought was going to happen there. Um, so that that's kind of the only analysis from that game that I have. Yeah, exactly. And Matt kind of covered it too. I was I was just going to kind of say the same thing about. It's interesting that you know Bryce Young wasn't really the star of this game, and and that it was Brian Robinson instead. And that's kind of been a, a question all season. Is like, well, you know, Alabama's always had a great running game, and like they've always had two really really good backs that can get it done. And it's kind of just, you know, like a 1A, 1B type situation. But they don't really have that this year. They have Brian Robinson, who's really good, as, we, as, we, as you know, we saw. But even this season, like, he hasn't really had to do much because Bryce Young has, you know, has, has been there thrown to John Mechie and uh, Jamison Williams all season. And so, it you know, he – and even in his postgame interview, he was you – know, he kind of just said, he was like, well, you know, this was the time to shine – and I've been waiting all, all season and, you know, pretty much my whole life for this. And so when the opportunity came, I had to take it. And so – and that, that's exactly what he did. And so, you know, we all got to be really proud of him for that. Um, but just – and just one more thing that I wanted to add on to the, to the Michigan-Georgia game is that um, I think there was – their best DB, Vincent Gray, he's number four. He – I think he led up like three – the first three touchdowns or something like that which is crazy because, I mean, he's their best corner. And he had this one play where um, I, I don't know who's, like, I don't know the name of the receiver, but it's number seven on Georgia. And um, Stetson Bennett just kind of, like, threw up a prayer. Not, not really a prayer, but he, he kind of just, like, threw it up. And it looked like number seven had to even kind of stop for it a little bit. But Vincent Gray just stopped, like, fully on the play. He just, I mean, he it, it was a go ball. And he, 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 like, looked back a little bit, I think. And then looked back at the receiver and then just kind of stopped running. But the receiver hadn't even stopped running either. And so it, was, it looked like a really easy just pitch and catch, which in reality it probably could have been an interception by Vincent Gray. And so – and he had, he had a couple other like pretty bad mess-ups during the game, which, yeah, we can't – I mean, we can't bash him because cornerback's like arguably the hardest position to play in all of football. And so, um, yeah. But that – and I, I don't like to, you know, diss players for not playing well. It's just like – that probably added to it was that, okay, well, you know, their best DB that's been playing well all season kind of, you know, had a had a few blunders, a few bad blunders during during this game, and so that probably added to it, um, especially Setson Bennett's, Bennett's success. So, yeah, that was kind of just one thing I wanted to add on to the Michigan and Georgia game. But, yeah, in terms of the Alabama and, um, and Cincinnati game, we all expected it, and we, you know, got the result that, that we thought we were going to get. Now we're probably going to give predictions for everything like that this uh, next Saturday because the game is on January tenth, which is not this coming Monday but the next Monday. So we'll definitely probably have like a whole preview for um, the Georgia Alabama game next Saturday. We're we're not going to get into that this episode, um, but yeah, I mean we don't unless Matt has anything else. We don't really have much else for this episode if, well, if Matt wants to one thing I was gonna ask and I mean we can do it at a different time or even maybe in the offseason or something was kind of like the because we're gonna start to see the debate of like it, obviously right the 12 team playoff has been pitched we don't really know when that's coming or you know what's been decided on that but um but it seems like across the board everybody wants the 12 team playoff and 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 so I think I think it we have to have the discussion like is is there a point to having a twelve team playoff when again when we know the results anyway right and I think that's what, I mean if you want to talk about that we can right now we I could literally talk about this for an hour but just by myself just like the the, the dynamics of how everything works and you you know obviously right anything can happen on any given day you 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 will always have you know the 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 sixteen seed that beats the one seed and so that's that's always a chance right but but like it just seems with college football it's like. Okay, Cincinnati finally, you know, everybody's like, they need their chance. They got to get in. They get in. What happens? They get demolished, right? Michigan, they weren't supposed to make it at the beginning of the season. They had a lot of hype. You know, they finally beat Ohio State. They're, you know, they have a great team. What happens? They get beat too, right? And so it's almost like this, you know, what's happening to, what's the point of having, and again, I'm, I am, 
a huge fan of the underdog, and I think that the playoff should be expanded just because I like football, right? And I would love to pick the matchups and look at the seedings and all that. But it's like at the end of the day, we already know who's going to win these games, and it's going to be the top teams from the SEC. And so maybe there has to be some, you know, some kind of consolation bracket, like I said before, about like a, you know, every other kind of conference winner gets to compete in some bracket, and the SEC gets their own. I don't know how we can do it. Um, if you want to talk about that now, we can. But I'm just like saying is like all these people are going to come out and be like. Well, you know, we need the 12 team playoff. It'd be so much more entertaining, and it's like, not really, because like we already know who's gonna win. This ex- this exact same thing. Like we were just presented with a perfect test case of what happens when teams that weren't supposed to make the playoff to th- at the beginning got into the playoff. And obviously, right, we don't have a Clemson, we don't have an Ohio State, who were the other two teams that were making the playoff all the time, right? So what do we do now when like we have these teams who weren't supposed to be there and and are now you know are now there and then they get to play in their game and they both get crushed and their you know their hopes and dreams are smashed and and we're just back to where we started. Where like the arguments don't matter, the you know the the story storylines and, and Cinderella stuff doesn't matter. When at the end of the day, it's just going to be the same results. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dude, it's, my words in a little quick. So there. funny when Matt you get so excited about what he's talking about, and then he just like talks really fast. Right, I mean, right. I you I'm excited about what you're talking about. Dude, it's it's even rubbed off on me a little bit. Like, I, if you guys have been listening across this season you've probably realized that like i've gone from talking really slow compared to what do i do now and now i'm talking a little bit faster because matt's kind of rubbed up on me rubbed off on me but um yeah i mean i could i could also dedicate a whole episode to this too so i think i think we could do this but just at a later date but um just uh, and i'm just gonna say literally one thing about it and this is kind of the you know, my side of the argument for a 12-team playoff. I think Matt has a great point with, you know, everybody who loves football would love to see more high-state games because the bowl games now are essentially meaningless, especially with all the opt-outs that are happening. It's pretty much gone to, like, you know, how many – who, which team has the most opt-outs, you know, on either either side of the ball, and that's basically who's going to lose. Like, because all the – you know, all their good players – all the – players that do opt out are the best players on each team so it's just like you know who's who's who has the better depth on their team is, is basically who's going to win in bowl games now and so i think that it would be cool to get to have a, have a 12 team playoff um because yeah because then you would have guys that are you know you'd have at least 24 teams that have guys that are going to play no matter what um to try to win the championship but i also think and this is kind of what i was trying to get at is like the twelve team playoff, it, it essentially it like it widens the pool for teams for you know it widens the the chances of of like of an underdog winning basically. So yeah, we have um you know we we have a fourteen playoff and this was the per- like Matt said this was the perfect year or the perfect opportunity for Cincinnati to take down Alabama and show everybody that uh you know a non a non power five conference team can actually do it and they didn't do it and they got crushed and same with Michigan like they started off the season unranked and then they became ranked and it was kind of like oh you know maybe a team that wasn't ranked at the beginning of the season is finally going to do it and it's like no they got all they also got smacked and so with with a 12 team playoff it it gives more chances for that to happen i know it sounds kind of like anticlimactic and it sounds kind of you know oh well you're just given like a stupid reason but i mean i think it is a fair rate a fair reason because if you think about it like there's only two college football um college football playoff uh games now and so there's going to be six oh yeah i i also messed up i i was thinking of 12 games when i said 24 i meant 12 teams um but yeah there's, there's only two games now and so there's gonna be six games with a 12 team playoff and that's just gonna yeah, it's just going to increase the chances because there's more chances of of an upset happening, even though it's very unlikely it could still happen. And so, like, yeah, it's just going to increase the chances year by year instead of, like, you know, having to go five years or having to go three years just to play the same amount of games, playoff games that you would have that you would play in one year um, with with six playoff games. So, yeah, that was kind of really confusing, but. If you get, you know, if you get what I'm saying, then yeah, and I'll definitely explain it in our future episode where we go over the, you know, the the gist of everything. But 
yeah, that was kind of just what I was going to say about it. And that's just kind of a preview. Like Matt and I said, you know, we'll, we can talk about it for days. And so we'll, we'll definitely de- dedicate a whole episode to that. Um, that would be fun. But yeah, and I think that it was really cool that Matt brought that up because it is like, you know, it is kind of at the forefront of everybody's mind now, now that we have, you know, the same old two best teams that roll over everybody in the, in the championship. And so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting, interesting to see how, I guess how this discussion like progresses over time in terms of people that, you know, aren't small podcasters like us and like that actually have an influence on what happens. Um, and so, yeah, it, it'll be cool to see how the discussion changes. And e- even if it like, if it does even change, like it, it might not change after this season, just because it was kind of a weird season again in terms of, you know, COVID stuff, especially like this bowl season, like we saw COVID affecting so many teams. And so, it still is a thing, and like as much as people don't want to admit it, like it's it's it definitely is still gonna have an effect. Um, and good thing it wasn't that of that much of a an an influence during the regular season because that would have sucked because we would have had a lot of a lot of stuff that would have gone wrong with playoff and bowl selections and everything like that. Um, so that's that's another thing to look at. I know I know I'm kind of going on a rant here, but uh, but yeah, so. That's kind of the, the the blunt of our episode. Matt, do you have anything else? No, that's it. I, I agree with the analysis there at the end. We, we'll definitely do then a uh, kind of a what-if scenario, break down the, the – and I think – I mean, I think the, the college football playoff committee is kind of discuss- – it's like they the, – the plans at least were that they were going to discuss in December what the plans were going to be. If they decide – if everyone majority rule, whatever the, the like rules are there – um, would have agreed, then they would have like announced it by now. So I think that they haven't necessarily agreed on what it's going to be yet. Um, and obviously, I don't think any of this would even take effect until like 2025. But I think it's just it's fun to talk about it because of the theoretical kind of aspect to it. But the other, on the other hand, too, it's like we're going to get the four team college football playoff for at least the next like three or four years here. And it's like, is this really going to only continue? Right? Like, what's the best? How do we handle this best when it's essentially just the SEC and and literally everyone else is is a complete step uh, below that? So. Um, so, yeah, so we'll definitely during the offseason or, or maybe when we hear some news about it uh, coming up here in the spring at some point or, or the next few months, then we can kind of do a maybe even a, a like a Saturday chill episode about it or or even just include it on our kind of daily news uh, for like for the Tuesday episodes. But um, definitely going to dedicate some time to this going forward, because I do think it's it's just something that I think is just it's it's going it, it's kind of getting ignored to to a certain extent. And, and obviously, I mean. But then again, kind of the other side of that is like, well, what are you going to do, right? Like, you yeah. know, you, you want to have everybody included, and then everybody gets included and they get beat. But hey, you know, at least they were included. So I think it's like at the end of the day, that's kind of you. You, you kind of have to have, you know, you can't you can't have exactly, you know, the the, the uh, exactly what you want or need on both on both uh, both sides of that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's, that's a great way to put it. I kind of just like growled. <laughs> but, alrighty, well. <laughs> To bring this episode to an end, that's a great way. <laughs> I was trying to like clear my throat and talk at the same time, and it just came out as a growl. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening, and um, we will definitely have come out with an episode on Tuesday and kind of get back to our, our regular schedule of of recording because we weren't really on that for the past week and a half because vacation and Christmas and holidays and stuff. So yeah. Um, Again, I hope you guys have a happy new year, and we will catch you guys in the next episode.